Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, we're going to read from the book of Isaiah and we're going to actually read what is generally considered an Easter passage. And I've got a simple yet powerful message for you tonight. And before you say, Jordan, I've already read that. I've done the Easter thing. Uh, It's a little bit like going to the gym, the Bible. I'm not an expert on going to the gym. Don't laugh too loud. Thank you for that, Amber. I'm not an expert on going to the gym, but I am aware that you go there, you do shoulders, and that doesn't mean that you're done for the rest of your life. You got to work out different muscles regularly at different times to get a great physique, as you can tell. But it's like that with the Word of God, we've got to continue to revisit certain passages. We've got to continue to revisit certain stories to stay sharp in our faith and to stay sharp in our understanding of God and His Word. And so we're going to read this passage tonight and it's powerful and it's especially interesting because this passage uh, is, is written by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to read what the prophet said as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's going to come up on the screen for us to uh, read as well. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. That's a good rhyme there. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and he will of the Lord, uh, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. 
Such a powerful passage of Scripture. This is 700 years before the birth of Jesus, prophesying His journey to the cross and His crucifixion and speaking to the purpose of the coming Messiah, who we know is Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. Everybody, all of the Bible, the the whole gathering of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is building to the events of Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, the night I made a decision uh, as an individual, not as part of a family, but as an individual, I made a decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ. It was at a youth rally where they showed a clip from The Passion of the Christ, which is a movie from 2005 about Jesus's uh, crucifixion on the cross and then his resurrection. And it was at a youth event. And uh, I don't know if you could do that these days because at youth events, you got to do G or PG. But I was at a youth event, they just straight up, put the MA15 plus Passion of the Christ up for like an eight minute clip. And uh, as, a young, as a young teenager, it like was a combination of shocked me, freaked me out, but then God really spoke to me through it. And I do think that that movie's anointed because it does give, as Pastor Jared often says, quite a realistic portrayal of Jesus on the cross. But I remember when they showed that video, And I know if we did that in youth now, I'd be very annoyed. But by the will of God, when this was shown at the youth event I was at, God really ministered to me uh, through it because I got a revelation that the cross of Jesus Christ, His death on it was for me. The reality that it wasn't just something far away, but the reality of it was right up close to me. And, And, you know, I could not just enjoy the, the, the picture of the cross, but I could walk in the power of the cross I got a revelation that it was for me and that what Christ endured on the cross was so that I could have eternal life and a relationship with God. I'm always moved by the story that my dad tells about a trip he did to Japan where they met a Japanese girl in a coffee shop who was wearing a crucifix necklace around her neck. And my dad was surprised to see that because Japan is 98% secular. Very few people believe in God uh, and very few people know about who Jesus is. And so my dad approached this young girl and said, oh, I can see your crucifix necklace. Are you a Christian? She said, what's that? He said, well, do you believe in Jesus? And she said, who's that? And they had this conversation and my dad became aware very quickly that she had a, an image of the cross, but no understanding of the cross. That she had a, an image of it on her, but not the power in her. And I would imagine there's people in this room tonight, you might even be wearing something on you that has a cross on it. And God's will is that, you know, it's great to have that. Great to have images of the cross around you, but He wants the power of the cross in you. He wants the salvation that it brings, the new life that it brings to be within you. Because everybody, the cross is for you. And that revelation that I got in 2005 helped me open up my heart to Christ to receive salvation and eternal life. And God in His love is giving you that opportunity here tonight as well. Now, I think we can all agree the Old Testament is bonkers. It's crazy. I remember at a young age, beginning to read my Bible, and I've shared before, but I had the superhero Bible. It's a fantastic resource. And the superhero Bible is great. It's got extra inserts about the superpowers of some of the characters in the Bible, but it doesn't actually adjust the translation. So within a few chapters of reading, there's incest, 
There's all this crazy sexual stuff going on. People are getting murdered. And I was reading the Bible. I was going, flip. Have I made the right choice here? I should have got the toddler's devotion from Kurung. I might have cut some of this out. And I actually remember in high school, kids that weren't a part of church and weren't Christian asking me why stuff like that was in the Old Testament. You know what my answer was? Haven't got a clue. I couldn't explain why that stuff was in there, but now I'm very aware that what the Old Testament does very effectively is paint a very clear picture of man. Paints a very effective picture of mankind's brokenness. It very clearly, very quickly shows us the evil that we're capable of. It very quickly shows us how ungodly we are and our natural desires and that when we're left to our own devices, we stuff stuff up very, very quickly. The Old Testament is really a very effective painting of man's need for a saviour. And then thank God we get the New Testament, which very effectively paints a picture that that saviour has come in the form of God's one and only son, Jesus Christ. And I love what the New Testament teaches. It says, in Christ, all the Godhead dwells bodily. We see that God, the Father, Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit, working in unison in the New Testament to reveal to us that salvation is available to mankind through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life, a perfect, holy life. And then he died on a cross, but he did not stay dead. He rose again. And that's so interesting because we often talk about the cross and Jesus' death as good news. And the Bible calls it the gospel and that literally means the good news. And it's good news because he didn't stay dead, but it's also good news because of what it achieved. It's because of Jesus' death on the cross that you and I can be forgiven of our sin. The Bible tells us that no one is righteous, not even one, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God that you and I are in rebellion to God by default. Our nature is to sin. Our nature is to defy the laws of God. Yet in God's love, He sends His Son to pay the price for our sin. It's because of the cross we can be forgiven of our sin. And what's great news is, is that when we receive the power of the cross, we're forgiven for the sins we have committed and we're forgiven for the sins yet to come. Now don't get any ideas and go, oh sweet. But it empowers us to live a transformed life then in worship to God where we're free from the power of sin. It's because of the cross that you and I can have a personal relationship with God. It's because of the cross that you and I can have eternity in heaven. The Bible so clearly paints man's need for God and of God's love for man. And God expressed that love by sending His Son to die on the cross for us. You know, when you look around the world, you, you see a lot of man's effort to connect with God. People trying desperately to try and get God's approval, trying desperately to get God's attention. Um, my wife, Bianca, her family is Sri Lankan. And so we've had the privilege of being able to visit Sri Lanka a few times and, and meet some of her family. And her and I both have a big heart for that country. It's a beautiful country with beautiful people. Um, but as an Australian going there and as an Australian Christian, it is a fascinating place. I mentioned before that Japan is 
98% secular. Sri Lanka is 2% secular, which means everyone believes in God. The question is just which one? And it's difficult because Buddhism especially, it's hard to define because it's so accommodating, as is Hinduism. And it's so interesting because there's gods for everything. And it's not even about the God that created me. It's a God that has an aspect of creation within them or an emotion that I have within that God. And there's certain things I need to do to get the attention of that specific one. But if I don't get their attention, that's okay because there's 400 other ones. And why it makes it a challenge uh, for Christians to outreach is because people are quite happy to plug one more in. And... There's also this interesting hybrid that happens there where you have hybrids of religions coming together because they're not at odds with each other, they accommodate each other. And we had a a great guy on one of our trips there uh, as our driver. So I'm not brave enough to try and drive in Sri Lanka, so we had someone be our driver while we were there and he spent the whole trip with us. His name was Shami and he was a great guy and he actually uh, lived his life as a hybrid of Hinduism and Buddhism. And we spent a fair bit of time with him and obviously he spent a fair bit of time with us and so he was very aware of what I did and and our faith and how we practiced that. And we had a lot of awkward silence in the car whenever I mentioned something about Christianity. So he would say, oh, so how, how long have you been a minister for? And I'd say, oh, this amount of time. And we, you know, we're currently doing this as a church and, you know, we just really want to make a difference for, for Jesus in the community. And he's like, okay. And then it was like, just a lot of those noises. Anyway, one day I observed him really anxious and really stressed. And uh, Bianca and I were like, I wonder what he's doing. Is he okay? And he was like, guys, we need to go really quickly. I've got to get to this temple before noon so I can put up an offering. Um, is it okay if we leave right now? And we were like, no, no worries. We'll, we'll wait in the car. So we hop in the car and we park up outside of this temple. He runs in and spends like all of four seconds, runs back out and gets in the car. And he's like, oh, all good. Thanks, guys. And I was like, whoa. So we had another five minutes of <clears throat> as we drove. And we got to lunch and we were having some crab curry and uh, we're eating crab curry and uh, he just out of the blue says to me randomly, he goes, Jordan, do you have to fast in your religion? And I thought, here's my moment. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a really great conversation over crab curry about how in Christianity, you don't have to do anything. But I choose to do a lot of things out of devotion to God. And I watched him try to process this idea that everything I need to do to connect with God, Jesus Christ did it for me. And it's a matter of me now putting my faith in His finished work on the cross so that I stop earning and start receiving. And then my life is no longer about obligation and religious duty. It's about worship and devotion to God. What had happened to him was, he he has been taught by people in his life and by culture that he has to do certain things to get God's attention, do certain things to get God's approval, do certain things to be right before God. It is an exhausting, empty and deceived way of living. And he is in bondage as many people are in that nation and across the world, people are in bondage to religion and in bondage to false gods who are robbing them of relationship with God, are robbing them from actual worship, but more importantly, robbing them of salvation. It breaks God's heart. 
And what is unique to the Christian faith alone is that when you look in the Bible, you see God's effort to connect with man. There is no other religious system where God is actively pursuing relationship with people except for in Christianity. It is unique to us. There is no other belief system where God makes the first move, where God makes the sacrifice, where God is in pursuit. We see people whipping themselves, sometimes literally trying to get connection to God. When in fact, our Saviour, as Isaiah says, was whipped for us. And He willingly put Himself in that position to get the job done so that you and I could be in a relationship with Him. Christ fulfilled the law and satisfied the wrath of God so that you and I don't need to. The cross is a picture of what God is willing to do to have a relationship with you. The cross is a picture of what God was willing to do to have a relationship with you. Unlike you see in other faith systems and beliefs, no pilgrimage is needed. No more sacrifices required. Because Christ the Son made the pilgrimage from heaven to earth and He didn't make a sacrifice, He was the sacrifice and He's done it all. Everyone, God, God has no beginning and God has no end. He's sovereign, He's holy, and He's perfect, and you and I absolutely are not. Because in our createdness and in our sin, we're separated from God, and we needed divine help to reconnect with God, and we need divine help to connect to the divine, and so the divine help was the divine, and God is passionately engaged in connecting with you. And the reality is this, is Christians don't think they're better than everybody else, contrary to popular belief. I used to cop a fair bit of that at school. And as I grew in my faith and grew in my understanding of my own brokenness, when people used to say that to me at school, they'd say, you Christians, you think you're better than everyone else? I was like, no, I think we have right belief that we're absolutely cooked. And I was like, and the good news is you are too. And they're like, how is that good? It's, it's the acceptance that we're fallen and that we, we, we have fallen short of God's standard. But at that awareness and at that acceptance, the power of the cross can come into our life. Romans 3 verse 22 to 25 says this, it says, This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen to this, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Everyone, the message of the cross is for everyone because all have sinned and no one is righteous. And that's why it's good news that we're all cooked because we're all in the same boat. The gospel is the great equaliser. It levels the playing field. Where there's, It says in the Bible, God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't have favourites. There's not people more far away than others. We, we are all equal in our need of God before God. The young, the old, those born into perhaps a faith or belief system, those that have never even been to church, we are all equal in our desperate need of Jesus Christ. Because no one's good enough. Only one. And it is Jesus Christ. And that is why God in His infinite wisdom sent Him down to us. 
Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, there's many distorted belief systems, even within groups of, or sections of what they would say is Christianity, where your salvation is earned by what you do. Or in sums, it's, you know, you're, you're saved by faith, but it's sustained by works. It's all deception. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, putting your belief in His life, death and resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The weight of sin, the world's sin placed on Jesus at the cross and put to death with Him. But in in Jesus' resurrection, the sin stayed dead and Christ rose to new life. It's a picture of what we can experience through salvation in Jesus where our sin is put to death at the cross and we rise to new life in Him. And it's not because of anything we do. It's not because of a temple that we pull up to and run into. It's not because of things that we go and see or things that we eat, things that we kiss. It is a gift from a loving God who is passionately pursuing you. Just really quickly. What the cross has achieved for us. Four things, I'll put them up on the screen. The cross has achieved for us new life. You know, Pastor Jordan a few weeks ago did a series on being born again. I encourage you to check it out. It's fantastic. Every 10 million streams, he gets a dollar. So I encourage you to stream that. But new life, when we receive Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we're born again. It is, it is like you're having a brand new start, like a baby out of the womb, all of life ahead of it, brand new start. It's, it's all fresh. That's what you experience through new life in Christ. And so what that is a picture of for you is a fresh start. All of your sins, all of your past being washed away so you can have a new life before God and with God. The second one is a transformed life. I don't live a natural, normal life. I live a supernatural, spirit-filled life. It is transformed. What that means is, is every day, I'm a little bit different than I was the day before. And in a really good way. I'm not regressing, I'm progressing in being more like Jesus and in stepping into who He's called me to be. Every day is an adventure. Every day is full of purpose. Every day is challenging. But every day I'm not alone. I'm with God because I'm living a new life and a transformed life by the power of the cross. The third one. Because of the cross, you can have eternity in heaven. Everybody, this is so important for you to know. People are eternal. We will last forever. And you can have eternity in heaven because of the cross where you spend eternity in paradise. I don't know everything about heaven. I'm not an expert on it. Pastor Dib's gonna unpack some things in a few weeks time on heaven. Pastor Jared says that there's an R&B section. I can't find that, but 
It's all good. But what I do know is this, is that heaven is where God is. Heaven is where the Father is. And that's the fourth one, eternity with God. Eternity in paradise in heaven and eternity with God. Because of the cross, despite our sin, our fallenness, our brokenness, our ungodliness, we can have eternity in the presence of God, in pure paradise with Him. I'll just invite the band to join me as they come up. I'm just going to close with a story that many of you would have heard me tell before. But it's about our friend on the cruise ship who was trying to save money. So this guy, he spends a fair bit of money on a, on a trip on a cruise ship. It's his holiday. He's saved up a lot of money to be there. He's excited. He gets on this cruise ship. And because he's spent so much on the ticket, he has no money left. And so every day he heads to the buffet with everybody else that's a part of the cruise ship. And he sits at the table and he has the complimentary bread and the water. And he sees people coming out with all sorts of exotic things to eat and drink. And there he is every day, bread and water. He had no extra money to spend. He, he'd spent it all on the, on the ticket. So he's there enjoying the complimentary bread and water. He gets to the last day of his cruise. And one of the staff very kindly come up to him and begin to inform him that all of the food and beverage is included in his ticket. And he realises that something was available to him the whole trip that he wasn't partaking of because he didn't know. And everybody in this room, you can be caught like the man on the cruise ship where for you as an individual, what's available to you is salvation. What's available to you is forgiveness for your sins. What's available to you is eternity in heaven, but you're not partaking of it perhaps because you didn't know. And so you being here tonight is strategic on God's part because I can let you know that what's available to you in Jesus Christ because of His work on the cross is new life, eternal life, transformed life, eternity with God in heaven. But don't leave this place tonight and continue to eat bread and drink water. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that figuratively where you are not engaging in the life that God has for you. But more importantly, you're heading on a road to destruction. You're heading on a road to hell. As heaven is a real place, so is hell. And again, I'm not an expert on hell, but what I know it is, it's the absence of God. It's the absence of the presence of God. It's a place of pain. And that's where we're heading without faith in Jesus Christ. What's available to you is the opportunity to get off that path and get into a relationship with God where you're destined for eternity with Him forever. My hope is that tonight you would get a hold of what's available to you, of what's already paid for. The cruise ship man didn't realise that all that was there was already paid for. Everyone, your salvation and your closeness to God has been paid for by Jesus. All you need to do is partake of it. All you need to do is reach out and grab a hold of what God and His love is extending towards you. God is reaching out to you tonight and He's already reached out to you through His Son. But you've got an opportunity tonight to grab a hold of what's been paid for for you. You've got an opportunity to grab a hold of what God's extending towards you. God loves you so much. And you're here tonight for a reason. You're here tonight to hear of what's available to you. And my question for you is, will you tonight, by faith, grab a hold of what's available because of the cross? God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to go another day living life, not in relationship with Him. He is your, your heavenly Father. He is your Creator and He is your Saviour.
Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.